Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Probably most everyone here is very familiar with the Christmas story. Um, if you were raised in church like I was, you were probably somewhere along the line involved in a Sunday school Christmas pageant. You know, the bathrobe and the towel over your head, you were a shepherd or something like that. Maybe you were a sheep, maybe you were a star, I don't know what you were, but um, if you were raised in church, you're pretty familiar with the Christmas story. You may be here and you don't have any church background and this is all kind of new to you and you, you're pretty fuzzy on all the details, but you know there's something about a Mary and Joseph who traveled to a city called Bethlehem and there was something about shepherds and angels and mangers and stables and wise men and stars. You're not quite sure how it all works out, but you kind of have a vague idea of the story. Um, You might be surprised to know, actually, the Christmas story, the story, the actual story of Jesus' birth is only in two of the four gospels that we have. We have four different um, writers who wrote about Jesus' life and ministry, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, but only Matthew and Luke actually tell us the story of Jesus' birth. Mark actually begins his story of Jesus' ministry with his baptism by John, and so he doesn't even deal with Jesus' life before that. And and John, John does something completely unique. John says, listen, if you want to know about Jesus, if you want to know about his life and ministry, if you want to know the story, what you need to know is the story behind the story. And in fact, actually in John's introduction to his gospel, he doesn't even mention Jesus uh, till, till like the very last line of his whole introduction. In fact, he uses a lot of different terms to describe who Jesus was. Let me show you what I mean. If you want to turn there, we're going to read in John's gospel, chapter one. This is the way John begins his gospel. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Now of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, he has made him known. John uses terms like the word, the light, the life, 
He doesn't refer to Jesus. And, and when he tells the story, he, it's, it's like he's saying, listen, if you want to understand Jesus, if you want to understand what this whole thing is all about, you need to know the story behind the story. You need to know that, that Jesus was unlike anyone who ever lived on this earth. And he came as God's expression, God's word. He came as light so that we would be enlightened and understand. He came as life itself so that we could have life in his name. And so this Christmas season, what we're going to do is, instead of going through the Christmas story, we're going to be looking at each of these terms that John used to describe him, starting today with the word. And what I want to talk to you about today is some words that you need to hear this Christmas season, or maybe even better put, the word that you need to hear this Christmas. And I want to start with this, that as the word, God has been speaking to you since the day you were born. It is God's nature to make himself known. John put it this way. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, when he uses that term word, um, it's a very specific term. Uh, The original Bible was written, the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language, and the Greek word that he uses is logos. You may have heard that word before, and it is rich with depth of meaning, Um, Literally translated, it means speech or, or message. Um, but it goes much deeper than that. To the first century Jewish believers that John would be writing this gospel to, that word, word, had all kinds of meaning because it spoke of, of God's wisdom and God's authority and God's power. And it echoes the creation story in the beginning when God spoke and it came to be. That's the word. When, when, when God said, let there be, and there was. It's the authority, it's the power, it's the creative word of God. And, and, and that first century Jewish believers would, would come to understand what he is talking about is God himself, God's power, God's authority, God's recreation. To the Greek followers, first century Gentiles and Greeks, they had some additional meaning to that word because to them, the idea of logos carried with it the idea of reason and and purpose and meaning. And so John uses this word and he's crafting this in such a way that he's saying, this is God's expression. This is God's God's speech to us. This This is God's wisdom and authority and power. This is God's meaning and purpose. It is all summed up in this person, Jesus Christ. And even to this day, when we talk about words, they have meaning to us. We talk about word, someone's word. It's about trust. It's about promise. We talk about someone who is a person of their word. Or or you might say to somebody, you have my word on it. And all of those meanings are tied up in this expression when John says, in the beginning was the word. God has been speaking, actually, since the creation of the world. That's what he says, from the beginning. In the beginning, God spoke. And you bring that down into your life and in mine, it's that he's been speaking to you and to me since the day we were born. The problem is, with all of God speaking, we're not very good listeners. (laughs) See, that's where the breakdown in communication happens. God is constantly speaking. We're just not listening Sometimes because we just don't want to hear what God has to say because he's going to make us make some changes in our lives. Sometimes we just aren't paying attention. Michelangelo, 
um, did an incredible job with this. I've, uh, a number of years ago, our son actually went to school in Rome, studied abroad for a couple of years. And before he graduated, we went to visit him before his graduation. We went to visit him in Rome, and we got kind of the backstage tour, the, the real person who lives there kind of tour of Rome. But we also went to all the highlights. And one of the big things, you've got to go to the Vatican. And the big thing for me was I wanted to go to the Sistine Chapel. I wanted to see this mural that you'd always seen pictures of. And, and let me tell you, the first thing, I was so anxious, I kind of just did the breeze through the Vatican and all that kind of stuff. The Vatican tour, all the pictures and all that artwork on the walls and everything. I wanted to get to the Sistine Chapel. That was the big thing. And it's at the very end of the tour. So we rushed through this whole thing. We get to Sistine Chapel. And I just got to tell you, if you've never been there, the room itself is a bit of a disappointment. Because <laughs> I am thinking about this big, huge basilica and this incredible mural that just takes up the whole ceiling. The square footage of the building is probably smaller than ours. And, and it's a very narrow, tight room with a very, very tall, tall ceiling. And up there is that mural, but it's so far away that it's just a little teeny tiny picture up there. <laughs> but in the center of that mural is this picture. It is the moment of creation. It is God reaching out, symbolically speaking to and speaking life into Adam. It's an incredible picture. This is Probably about the size it actually is. No, um, But if you look closely at it, if you look at a close-up of the touch, you notice something. That on God's side, he is straining out. He is reaching out. He is, he is taking the initiative. He is reaching out to impart life into Adam. But from Adam's side of it, you look at his, even the gesture of his hand, it's kind of like, eh, okay, whatever. And I don't know if that's what Michelangelo intended, but I think it speaks volume to the truth that God is constantly reaching out to. God is constantly calling. God is constantly speaking to us. Our problem is, eh, we just don't know how to pay attention. We haven't learned how to listen. Of course, that doesn't stop God from speaking. He continues to reach out. He continues to speak. All throughout, in fact, the, the story that we went through a couple of years ago, the story of the Bible, God's big story, is really the story of God speaking, God reaching out, God talking and calling people, and, and people listening. There were times when people did listen. Abraham heard God speak. God said to him, I want you to leave what is comfortable. I want you to leave with this life that you have carved out for yourself. And I want you to follow me. I want you to move and follow me to a land that you don't even know yet. But it will be an inheritance for you and your family for generations. And I will make of you a great nation. And, and Abraham heard God and he followed him. Because see, that's what mostly listening to God is all about. It's about trusting him. It's about following him. It's about obeying him. And Abraham heard God, and he followed him. God spoke through a burning bush to a man named Moses, and he said, I want you to lead my people out of that captivity in Egypt. I want you to lead them into the land that I have promised your forefather Abraham. And, and Moses listened to God, and he obeyed him, and he followed him, and he led those people out. All throughout the Old Testament, God is speaking. Not everybody's listening, but God is constantly speaking. You may not be familiar with this story, but there is actually an account in the Old Testament where God opens the mouth of a donkey to speak to one of his prophets. Yeah. 
That is something, by the way, my preaching professor often reminded us of. If you ever get a little too big for your britches, he would say, if you ever think you have preached the greatest sermon ever preached in this world, just remember, God can even speak through an ass. His words, not mine. <laughs> but see that, that God is constantly speaking. He's been speaking to you since the day that you were born. The writer of the Hebrews put it this way. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. In spite of our seeming indifference, in spite of our not wanting to hear God sometimes, trying to shine him on or push him off or ignore him, he doesn't stop speaking. And now, and now he has spoken to us through his son. He is the exact representation of his being. The exact representation of... Jesus is not God light, okay? Sometimes people have to say, well, the Old Testament God, you know, the fire and brimstone angry God, you know, I don't like that, but I like Jesus. He's a, he's a kinder, nicer God. But he would, what, what Hebrews says, no, no, he is the exact representation. He is God become man. God speaking to us. He wants us to listen. So that so that we would know him. That's why God speaks, so that we would know him. John put it this way, no one has ever seen God, but God, the only son who is at the father's side, has made him known. If you want to know what God is like, look at the life of Jesus. Look at the life of Jesus. In fact, here's something I'd encourage you to do. This Christmas season, read through the gospels. Particularly, read through the Gospel of John, not Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the ones that you may be more familiar with. Read through the Gospel of John. It is written differently. And one of the things you discover is that when God speaks his words to you, they are personal. He speaks personally to you and me. John put it this way. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The message paraphrase puts it this way. He says he moved into our neighborhood. That God made his dwelling with us so that we, so we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son. Now, this is where Christianity is unique to any other world religion. Because it's not about a system of beliefs. It is not about a doctrine or, or giving adherence to a certain set of teachings. Yes, Jesus taught. Yes, Jesus showed us God. But it's not about, it's not about doctrine so much, and it's not, about, it's not about teachings and tenets and all of those kinds of things. What, what Fundamentally, what Christianity is about is about a person. It is trust in a person, Jesus Christ. And that is different than any other religion in our world. That, that God came and he became personal to you and to me. The word became flesh. Our, our granddaughter is a first grader this year, and so he, she is just learning how to read. And um, we were watching the kids a couple weekends ago, and she has to do a certain amount of reading every night, and we have to sign off on it. And so they were staying with us one evening, and so um, we did, you know, we read Green Eggs and Ham, we read Hop on Pop. Um, but as she's reading, uh, um, it became clearer to me how hard the English language is. 
Because she has to go, you know, word by word and kind of sounding out when there's an E-I, you know, what kind of sound does that make? Is that an E sound? Is that an A sound? Is it, you know, and so she's reading and I'm following her as her fingers moving from one word to the next. And she's sounding out the words. And, and I was thinking about that. When God spoke to us, when he entered this world in Jesus Christ, he didn't come as a professor of a university with a PhD, with all those highfalutin words that none of us understand. He came and he spoke to us on a first grade level. Because it's personal. He wants us to know him. In fact, if you read through John's Gospels, John's Gospel, what you will find it is different than all of the others because there aren't so many healing miracles in it. There aren't so many long discourses. There aren't so many parables. In fact, there's very few of any of those things. What there is mostly in John's gospel is conversation. The word became flesh and talked with us. Conversation. And so Jesus has a conversation with a self-righteous Pharisee, and he says, no, 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 you got it all wrong. You need a whole new start. You need a, you need a, you need a rebirth. He meets a Samaritan woman at a well, probably an outcast in her own village, and he says, I have living water for you. See, all throughout John's gospel, Jesus has conversations because he wants us to know that this word this word is about a conversation. This word is personal to you and to me. He didn't insulate himself from this world. He didn't insulate himself from, from the realities of life in this world. What he did was he entered into the mess of this world and dealt with messy people, and he joins us in the mess that we make of our lives sometimes. And when we celebrate Christmas, when we celebrate this season, it is an annual reminder that God does messy. <laughs> and if you took some time and thought about back over the last 12 months as this year comes to an end, and you sat down and maybe did an inventory of your messes, <laughs> if you're like me, you could probably come up with a fairly significant list. But that's what Jesus entered. He entered into that with us. Why would God do such a thing? Well, certainly because we needed a rescue from this mess. John Piper writes, in a world so full of brokenness and sin, there can be no good news if God does not break in. But I think there's something more in that as well. Because I think it's not just that God wants us to know him. I think he also wants us to know that he knows us. He knows us. Again, the writer to the Hebrews put it this way. We have a high priest who can feel it when we are weak and hurting. We have a high priest who has been tempted in every way just as we are, but he did not sin. So let us boldly approach God's throne of grace. Then we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it because he knows us. I had a conversation this week with someone who's had a very, very difficult year. This year has been filled with loss for her. Lost family members to death, lost a job, lost home, lost friendships. 
And, and in this conversation, I was talking to him, she was just kind of pouring it all out. And I said, I don't know the answers for you. I don't have the answers for you. But, but let me tell you, I will be praying for you. And she said, don't bother. It just doesn't work. I just don't believe in God anymore. I have no answer to that. And maybe you're here and you're going through one of those times when God seems so silent and seems so far away. And, and I talk about God speaking to you and I talk about him speaking to you personally. And you're saying, yeah, right, not me. See, that's one of the questions. When you go through those deep, dark valleys, the biggest question is, God, where are you? Why is this happening to me? I don't understand this. This doesn't make any sense. Where are you in the middle of all of this? And I don't have all the answers, but I do have the answer to that question. When you find yourself at that deepest point in your life, when it seems like God is absent and he has shut up the heavens and he is not speaking into your life at all, and you're asking yourself, God, where are you? The answer to that question is, I am right here, right with you, right next to you. Because I know that hurt. I know that loss. I know that pain. I know that disappointment. I think that's why it's so important when you understand the word made flesh means he knows you where you're at today. And there's one more thing that God is speaking that his words are personal, but the choice to respond is always up to you. It is always up to me. John put it this way. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He left space. He left choice in the middle of all that. I sometimes think, I sometimes think, God, why don't you speak more forcefully? Why don't you speak more clearly? When I go through those deep, dark valleys, when I, when I find myself with those questions and those doubts and those uncertainties, why don't you use your, your James Earl Jones voice, you know? Why don't you use that big booming bass and say, this is God. <laughs> I do exist. <laughs> it seems to me It seems to me that God speaks in a way that those who choose to ignore him are given that ability to do so. It would be great if God would use that big booming voice and every one of us would have that aha moment that it was undeniable and we would never have those questions or those doubts or those struggles ever again, but that simply is not reality. John Ortberg put it this way, perhaps God's goal for the human race is more than just getting people to admit that he exists. And I think that's the truth. Because it's not just about admitting that he's there. He has something far greater in mind. He leaves that room and that space for choice because it's about relationship. And it's about trust. This is what John wrote. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That because of Jesus, now our relationship with God is fundamentally changed. That it's not the big booming voice that we cower in fear, 
but it's the personal word that joins us in our mess, in our life, and speaks of hope and comfort and strength and challenge and conviction and change. He keeps speaking. But here's the thing. Here's what he put. All who received him, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God, which means, which means he will never give up on you. No matter what kind of mess you make of your life, he will never stop loving you. No matter how you might walk away from him, no matter how you might try to ignore him, he will never stop speaking to you because you're his child. See, it fundamentally changes everything. And more than that, something else happens. That when you and I put our trust in him, when we choose to follow him, his word becomes our word. His message becomes our message. His life becomes our life. That now this word of God that came and spoke so personally and so clearly to us now becomes the message of our very own lives. That, that, that now your life carries the same message that Jesus carried. That there is a God of truth and of grace who forgives and loves, yet challenges and stretches and grows us. That message is the message that you and I now carry. And, and he brought that message to us and, and, and through others. He spoke to you and to me. And now we have that message to carry to other people. I picked up a book this week. Dallas Willard's um, book called Living in Christ's Presence. And, and he, wrote, he writes this whole idea about being the message of Christ. And it's actually from a series of lectures that he gave. But he puts this this way. Let me read it to you. He says, now let me ask myself something very sobering to me and maybe to you. And this is the question for all of us. What is my gospel? What's my central message? This is the heart of our problem and our promise. Listen to yourself when you're speaking and ask, what is my message? Is my message one that pulls people into discipleship? Isn't this the gospel? That when others not only hear the content of it, but also see how we live it and present it, they say, I want that. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to be one of his students, learning how to live in the kingdom of God now as he lives in the kingdom of God. His word becomes our word. His message becomes our message. And it's not just a message of our words. It's a message of our life. See, what made Jesus' message so powerful and life-transforming, what made his words so incredible was that he not just he didn't just speak it he lived it and that's what his authority was and so we in our own feeble first grade sounding out the words have a message for a broken hurting world that there is a god who loves who has entered into our brokenness into our mess to give us hope to give us promise, to help us change, to accomplish all of that in his word, Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me?
creator entered his creation. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And his message was a message of truth and grace. The question for you and I is, are we listening? Do you hear him? Do I hear him? God has been speaking to you all of your life. He continues to speak to you to this day. And maybe, maybe yes, there's times when you have listened to him and heard him and said yes. But maybe you're here today and he's been speaking to you about something in your life, uh, maybe a new step of faith, a new, a new challenge that you've been reticent to take. And so you're kind of just trying to push him into the background. Maybe it's a change that needs to happen in your life. Maybe it's, maybe it's words of comfort and hope and encouragement and strength because you're in one of those valleys right now. I don't know what it is, but I do know this. God is speaking to you. And what he asks is that you would respond to believe, to trust, to receive his strength, his grace, his work in your life. So if you're here today and God has been speaking to you, maybe he's been speaking to you for a while about something and you've just kind of been pushing him off or trying to ignore him, but today he's saying, no, it, it's time to respond. Or maybe just today for the very first time, you sense God is speaking to you and it's a matter of turning over your life and trusting him, maybe for the very first time. Whatever it is, I'm going to invite you today to say yes. Yes, Lord, speak. Yes, Lord, I'm listening. Yes, Lord, I'm going to follow. And if that describes you, and I could pray for you as we close today, would you just raise your hand and hold it up for a moment? In fact, look up and catch my eye as well, because I want to let you know I am praying with you and for you. Yeah, 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 yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's a first-time step of faith. It's just getting to the point of saying, God, I am tired of living this on my own. And that's my response. I'm turning over the controls to you. I'm going to follow you. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. If it's a first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, or maybe just a continuation of that journey that you're on, the prayer is always the same. Then I invite you to join me in it. Lord, here I am in my mess with my struggles, with my challenges, with my weaknesses, my uncertainty. And today, Lord, I'm saying yes to you. As you speak those words to my heart, I'm saying yes. I will trust. I will follow. Please lead me. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.